Hello everyone and welcome to 7 Tracks. I'm your host Jacques Morel. On 7 Tracks, we go through the musical journeys of some of your favorite people over 7 topics. Growing up, love, success, loss, adoration, guilty pleasures, and of course, what they're listening to today. Today's musical guest is Madison McFerrin, an independent singer and songwriter based in Brooklyn, New York. She's easily one of the most exciting voices on the scene today. Her soulful takes in acapella are really something special, notably her most recent hit, Guilty, celebrating the conviction of George Floyd's murderer. Over this musical conversation, we talk about her musical taste being influenced by her older siblings, telling Paul McCartney that she loves him from the audience, and in what has become a running theme on this podcast, more conversation about JC Chazez from NSYNC. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, hit us up at at 7 Podcast on Instagram, using the number seven, of course. And now, without further ado, Madison McFerrin. Madison McFerrin, thank you so much for joining me at 7 Tracks. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Um, how could you describe your musical taste? Like, you know, you have some classic songs on here. You have some Stevie Wonder, but you also have the Beatles and Sync, you know, so give me a few words that could kind of describe your musical taste. I mean, I think an easy one is eclectic, but I think that might be too broad um but it is given that <clears throat> excuse me I, I grew up with a lot of different influences particularly musically um you know my dad was playing a lot of stevie my mom was playing a lot of shaka but my dad was also playing a lot of like classical stuff and the Beatles. And then I was also a product of the nineties and early aughts and listened to the radio nonstop. So <laughs> there's plenty of, you know, that era top 40 just drilled into my brain that I still love. I think those are the songs that we take with us forever. Those songs that we kind of, that kind of embed themselves in our heads as kids. Right. And totally. as we get older, those are the songs that like remind us of the last times where everything was pure. Right. Uh, 100%. Now it's a lot more complicated. Right. <laughs> <laughs> things are just a lot more complicated uh speaking of like being complicated what do you think what was the hardest topic for you to pick a song for Ooh, there were a few that were difficult um some were very easy I think the guilty pleasures one was a little difficult just what to choose from because there are plenty of guilty pleasures um and I really had to rack my brain for that um I think the one that describes love, there are way too many options for that too. Um, yeah, the, I think those two might have been the most difficult for me to figure out. And for uh, for love, you have Alicia Myers. I want to thank you. And for uh, guilty pleasures, you have Insync's uh, "Tearing Up My Heart." Uh, two classics, two, like, <laughs> you know, especially the former. Uh, uh, I want to thank you. Being sampled on so many different songs, but mm -hmm. I'm really excited to hear like why you chose that song and like the specific context you should have loved that you chose it for. But we're gonna get into the first song, which is Stevie Wonder's "My Sherry Amore," mm -hmm. which will become uh, if if fans that are listening to this don't know this song you'll definitely hear it from the first 10 seconds of it playing so yeah <laughs> right it's like from the moment it starts playing you know okay i've heard this song mm -hmm. um let's listen you and i listen to stevie wonder and then we'll come back and we'll talk about why you chose that for growing up the first song that you remember truly being excited about mm -hmm. Oh, 
Such a good song. Such a good song. Uh, I I love that. Welcome back to Seven Tracks. Um, it's like a nice little mellow song to kind of start us off. Mm-hmm. And you had just mentioned that your father played a lot of Stevie when you were growing up. And you said that this was the first song that you were excited about. Being excited about a song about a, as a young kid, sometimes like you don't remember why, but like it's something that strikes you. So what is it about this song that struck you as a young child? So the reason I chose this song, I'm sure that, so I had this experience and I'm sure it was not the very first time I had heard that song just from knowing my family and knowing the kind of music that was being played from the time that I was born. So I'm sure that I heard my Sharia more as an infant, you know, like that, like without a doubt, but I have this very specific memory of being I think four years old either three or four years old in the Aspen airport Mm -hmm. Um, and my brother Taylor put his headphones on my ears and from his Walkman and he played my Sharia more and I feel like I took his Walkman and like replayed the song about four times while we were in the airport and that memory just really sticks with me because I just remember, like you said, like, I don't know exactly what it was about the song that I, that I really stuck to as this three, four year old, I think it was probably four. Um, but I just knew that I had to listen to it more than once. And that's the first memory I have of doing that. And I'm somebody where like, if I really like a song, I will listen to it on repeat. And that's the first time I can remember actively being like, I need to hear the song again, which I'm sure, you know, you hear little kids, like they need to listen to a song like a million times. So I'm sure that wasn't the first time I was doing that either, but it was maybe the first time that I had my own agency to really gravitate to something in that kind of way. And so that was the that was the memory that I've always really stuck to about like, this is the first time I really remember holding on to a piece of music and being like, I like this mm-hmm. as a conscious human being. <laughs> yeah, and, and I also feel like because of the way that the song kind of sets off, like starts off, it becomes very easy for you to kind of gravitate to it. I could totally see that having an effect on you at three or four years old. Yeah. And like you said, you know, it's like, it's such a chill song. It's so mm-hmm. mellow. It really, <clears throat> excuse me. It feels like you know a walk on a on a beautiful summer spring day. Um, it makes you happy. Like I feel like you just listen to it and you're just like in a chipper mood. Um, and Stevie is just incredible. So, since your brother put you onto this, what other songs remind you of your brother? Like what? Like, how could you describe his musical taste? Kind of like if he were listening to this right now, you know, how would you describe his musical taste? 
Well, it's pretty similar. I mean, we grew up <laughs> in the same house. Um, but I mean, I have a few moments of pretty similar interactions with my brother. I remember being maybe like seven and being in his car because he's 10 and a half years older than me. So I remember being in his car and um, Are You That Somebody by Aaliyah had come out. And, you know, that's a Timbaland production, which is still to this day, just so amazing. And I, I feel like we were outside of like a Best Buy, like in the parking lot. And he played Are You That Somebody and he like pointed out the baby crying in and you know that was the first time that I became aware of particularly in Timbaland's production how he always has some like little something that's like layers underneath that you might miss but once you hear it you're like ooh, that really does make this song um so you know I'm, I'm a baby sister who's always looked up to both of my big brothers but Taylor especially when it has come to music, he's always been somebody that I've, um, I've really admired his music taste. And I think he's actively throughout my life, put me onto a lot of really amazing stuff. I think it's awesome that you mentioned about like Timbaland, like re-listening to the song and kind of picking up different things in it, like that baby cry or something in his, uh, uh, his production. Um, I know this is probably the thousandth time you've listened to this song or just listened to Stevie Wonder generally, but I saw you also put him on a list of artists that inspire you. So when you are re-listening to Stevie Wonder, when you're trying to find inspiration, you know, what are some things that stand out to you that kind of you didn't notice maybe on the 900th listen, but you did on the thousandth listen? Hmm. I mean, something that always appeals to me in Stevie's music is he writes incredible melodies his vocal melodies are really they're really beautiful they're simple but also complicated um and they really just sound like they're coming from his soul uh just so deeply entrenched in his life force um I feel like sometimes I stumble upon bass lines in Stevie Wonder music where I'm like whoa I did not notice that that was what was happening this whole time this is so funky um I feel like I find myself hearing little elements in bass lines throughout his music that I'm surprised by but I mean I it is very hard to get sick of listening to Stevie Wonder it, it it really is. It really is. And especially around the time that this song came out, like Stephen was, this is before songs in the key of life, but he was just on his ascent to like, not on his, he wasn't on his ascent, but like he was just peaking in mm-hmm. that era, 70, 60s, 70s and early 80s. And, mm-hmm. um, and it's just like really it was so great for you to, 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 to pick it because it just gets it just gets synced so often. I think <laughs> now I listen to Stevie Wonder and, you know, through the commercials I see when watching Hulu or whatnot. It's just, it's just so, so always, always synced. All right, so let's get into the next topic. We're going to talk love. Um, right. And love uh, is the song you picked is Alicia Myers' is I Want to Thank You. Uh, like I mentioned in the preamble before this interview, like, like I love this song. <laughs> And I also just love like just the way it, it, I I think it's the way it starts. It's really the way it starts for me. Um, Yeah, the guitar lick is so good. 
Yeah, yeah, and which which makes it like a great sample. Um, but we're gonna get into that, and I'm gonna ask about why you picked it. I think the person you picked it for is currently in the room right now. So he actually <laughs> left the room. he left the room. So you know, I'll I'll just get to gush, and he'll hear it later. <laughs> okay. All right, let's get into it. back that was alicia myers i want to thank you uh released in 1991 sampled many many times my favorite being uh theophilus london sampling it on this strong mixtape it's like a throwback for anybody that's into theophilus london but that's how i first heard the song um this is the song for love and you know alicia's kind of thanking god for the person that god put in her life and you know um what was it about this track that really spoke to the situation that you're currently in right now? Well, I feel that way. I'm not an, a, a super religious person, but I definitely thank the universe for bringing me the person that is in my life. Um, and, you know, it's it's just a song about gratitude. And I think that that's really beautiful, but it also just sounds so good. Like, it's so funky. It makes you want to dance. Like you said, that opening guitar lick is just, like, such a dope way to start. And it's a great song to just, like, sing in general. You know, it's just really fun. Um, but it also is a song that I, like, I had definitely heard it before getting together with my partner. But he has a deeper connection to the song with his family. Um like it reminds him of some members of his family in a very positive way. And so I know that he enjoys listening to it. So it's not just that like the content of the song makes me think about him, but also I think when I hear the song, I think about him because I know that it is a song that he loves and that like makes him happy. So it has that double thing. It's not just like, oh, the lyrics make me think about him, which they do. But it's like the song in itself, I think, is special. Um, so yeah, that, that was a, it, it took me a, a minute to figure out which one. But then once I landed on that one, I was like, oh, yeah, that's totally it. This is it. Uh, in regards to lyrics, uh, yeah, there's one line that she says, I kept the faith and didn't worry. My nights grew longer than the days until one day it really happened. You sent true love my way. A song about gratitude, like you said, is very correct here. And I'm curious, like, how did you and your partner meet? Um, I'd like to say I swiped real right uh, <laughs> on Tinder, you know, just like modern romance. <laughs> <laughs> Same, yeah. <laughs> Which said I had like a more flowery story, but there, I mean, there were instances where like we probably would have met 
regardless because there were just a few overlapping things that were like oh it does seem like this was a a universe trying to be like okay you guys have missed each other in these other ways so we're just gonna put you on this app at the same time what's one song uh because like are there any songs that i'll say that playfully annoy you when he plays when he listens to them was there any type is there anything like mm. you know certain songs like you're like oh you're obsessed with that like you know trying to find like kind of like the different musical contours of your relationship um he has very good taste in music so there's not much sometimes he'll like want to play the same part of a song over and like that can get kind of annoying or sometimes he when he'll play a song he tells the exact same story every time and i'm like at you every time you bring oh, <laughs> like every time you say this like like every time you play this song you say this like i'm i'm aware of this <laughs> he heard me here but uh otherwise um no he, there's there's no music that he plays if anything i there's music that i play that is pro- he's probably like oh my god so what's that music guilty pleasure like exactly <laughs> not on that he has no tolerance for my in sync phase of life or no just like the songs themselves i keep trying to be like this one's a banger and he's like no (laughs) not having it i mean you know those songs are smashes like (laughs) those songs are undeniable smashes undeniable smashes um what is uh, uh are there any other songs that kind of kind of bring you two together Hmm. Hmm. it's tough right yeah i don't know if it's like it's not like we have a song or something like that you know i think that we connect on on different music in general but i don't know if there's something where i'm like this always makes me think of them i don't think so (laughs) like i said love is one of the tougher categories for me to think of yeah because it can be applied to like so many different things Mm -hmm. and so many different songs i mean like so many of these the songs that you picked by sherry Moore could have been picked for love too right exactly Mm -hmm. you know reminding you of like who you love but um and i feel like we're gonna go into the next topic we're gonna go to beyonce's success Mm -hmm. uh which is uh another classic don't hurt yourself <laughs> with the legendary jack white i like to say the legendary jack white because i always find that the two of them collaborating just you know it was a big deal in 2016 but even five years later because the anniversary was like i think a couple days ago um it's even more even more of like wow jack white and beyonce did some music together so mm-hmm. that's like pretty phenomenal yeah uh so let's listen to that a little bit and what a song to pick after a song for love right <laughs> totally Into that one. <laughs> Yo, it is so hard to not get sucked into that one. There's uh, something that just came to my mind. Is there's uh, it's it's great hearing Beyonce curse. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> totally, totally, hundred percent. 
like something even on uh, on on uh, everything is love like it's just there's just something about it like it's just breaking that that wall of like pop star um of like queendom into like oh no i could i can get down there and slug it out with the best team you got a bad we live in lavish lavish man how does this song motivate you cuz this was the workout song right yeah, I mean, do you, I, you know, but I feel like you could apply it for so many different things. Yeah, you can right? apply it to a million things. But I initially put down Blow by Beyonce. Okay. Because when the Beyonce album came out, I used to, like, watch it while I would work out. Like, looking at, Be- like, I would watch the whole um album but blow was always my my favorite song on that album but it was something where it was like i would watch that album and work out because i was like beyonce yes she won't quit um but i can't quit right exactly (laughs) but i ended up choosing this song because there's something else that like comes out of me when i work out and i'm listening to like rock music which usually is when i'm angry and it's more often than not rage against the machine. They went viral a couple days ago. I know because they've been rage against the machine the whole damn time and people are dumb. Con- confused. Um, yeah, yeah. confused. Um, but like you said, there's something about like Beyonce cursing. There's like a rawness where like you know that you should not fuck with this woman. You know, she is just like on that cocky. Like the song starts with "Who the fuck do you think I is?" You know, like how could it not get more just like in your face than that? And it's also one of in my opinion, one of like Beyonce's more adventurous songs because it's not like the, f- not that her music is flowery, but like she, it's not like she's singing in the same way during the song as she does with some of her other stuff, you know, like she's not like belting in the same way. Yeah. There's like a, a real ruggedness to it that is, that's really appealing and just like feels really hard and I love the combo of her and Jack White. I think Jack White is amazing. And um, it, it's a song that like you don't know that you need. And then you hear it and you're like, oh my God, this is feeding my soul. Um, and it, it totally like, it's hard to not hear that song and then like come out of the other side and not just be like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah fuck do you think I is you know just like you just come at it you just approach life that way afterwards um and so that's good motivation for a workout it's like it makes you really want to run through a brick through a brick wall yeah you know like, but oh. look good doing it yeah right. like lift some weights and just be like fucking got this don't mess with me bro you know it just really feels like that one thing that I always love about Beyonce is uh, the meticulous control that she has over everything. Mm-hmm. And even in the way like Jack White tells how this kind of came to be, basically she tells him, I want to be in a rock bed with you. And, you know, you know, he takes, she, I think she gets a song and then he tells it as like, oh, what she did with it was like so amazing. And like, I just find that like 
ever since Beyonce came out, but we didn't expect it. And then Lemonade came out. And like, it's like, we're always like at every single day, just kind of waking up seeing it's like, okay, is Beyonce going to surprise us with something else? Totally. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Every single day. All the time. Like those were two very monumental moments. Like I, I know exactly where I was when Beyonce dropped and I know that it came out and I was gonna go to bed and then did not because it came out at midnight and I was supposed to go to bed. It was Thursday too because and I had school the next day. I was a senior in in college. Where'd you go? Berkeley College of Music. And all of a sudden on my Twitter, I see people talking about Beyonce, Beyonce, Beyonce. And then I was like, well, I gotta stay up for another hour and a half and watch this. I'm not about to not watch this right now. And so, yeah, like you said, it's like, is she gonna drop something today? I don't know. We'll find out. What about uh, Lemonade? Where were you when Lemonade came out? I was in LA. I was with my brother Taylor, actually. And um, we were watching it. And <laughs> in the beginning part, um, we just kept being like, does does Jay-Z know about this? <laughs> like, has, has he heard this? Does he know? Because she seemed yeah. mad. <laughs> she seemed real mad. But then, you know, he eventually pops up in the in the videos but there were like the first like i think through like sorry we were like does does jay-z was this a surprise jay-z too because beyonce is pissed (laughs) and she's carrying out all the business all of it and it's almost as if like they understood that like they had to tell us this at Mm -hmm. some moment or time but like you know they're very cagey in the way they you know it's very it's very produced that's why i always kind Mm -hmm. of tell it's very produced and Mm -hmm. you know even in the way that this of jay-z's infidelity was kind of rolled out it wasn't like i mean there were some rumblings in tmz and it all goes down in the elevator yada 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 but like even putting it on like wax like this is like this is the way we're gonna like let you into our lives Mm -hmm. through a consumable piece of content that you can listen to you know like they control the narrative and yeah. they are incredibly intelligent when it comes to that you know like everything they do is um it's on purpose you know what do you think is your narrative oh geez i'm still trying to figure it out yeah when you if you find out let me know <laughs> yes I'll, I'll definitely do that i'll definitely still writing it still writing the narrative uh up next we have we're talking we're talking loss uh this song you completely put me on to i was not aware of who glenn hansford was we're gonna listen to glenn hansford saying to me now and uh you picked it for when you're looking to be sad i won't hype it up too much or downplay it too much i don't know (laughs) but one of those i won't before we get into it but we'll come back to it and then we'll talk about you know what situations you like to be sad in and why it's this song that really gets through to squeeze those tears out be right back. And as the shadows fall on me, now I'll read somehow. Yeah. Cause I'm picking up a message, Lord. That I'm closer than I've ever been before. Yeah, that was uh, Glenn Hansford's Say It To Me Now. 
mm-hmm. off of uh, the soundtrack for Once from 2006. Uh, Irish singer. Where? How did you? How did you come across the song first and foremost? Because like this show has been education for me and like learning how people get to songs which is like very interesting Hmm. you know even you telling me about like stevie wonder before and like hearing it from your brother you know but like how did you get to this one so i forgot this was actually probably the toughest one okay question for me to figure out um maybe because i've had so many different moments in my life where I've been sad and have attached myself to music um and so this song comes from a movie called Once which has since been turned into a musical a pretty successful musical which I have not seen um I saw this movie I've only seen this movie once really yeah um which you play like what you just played was the intro like the very beginning of the movie which i totally forgot that that's the first song but a friend of mine came over for a sleepover in high school and she had rented this dvd mm-hmm. and i didn't know anything about it and she only knew a little bit about it and we watched it and it's a very sweet movie a very sweet story it's one that i've like i i think i have the dvd somewhere but i swear i've still only watched it that one time (laughs) but after i watched the movie i downloaded the soundtrack because i was i really loved the songs and um this song in particular i it's very short and very sweet or not sweet but just like the the idea of like it being short enough that it's like I would play this one on repeat a lot if I was sad. Um, a lot of it has to do with like the chordal structure, like the chord progression. Mm-hmm. It's minor. And in particular, um, there's this one chord that has a tension that he plays that like is it like cuts through. And I love it so much. I love tension in chords, but I like that it starts out kind of soft and melancholy and then like turns into this like angry like rock situation like you just really feel the pain and the hurt and um the recorded version that's on the soundtrack is you know it's very similar to like what you see in the intro of the movie where like you can just like see the pain you can feel the pain and just like this idea of like if you have something to say say it to me now Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it, I hadn't listened to this song in a while. And when this question came up, I was like, okay, there have definitely been a handful of songs that I've gone to when I was sad, like, which one is it? And, um, they were all actually like white UK <laughs> male the situations it was like okay this could be a radiohead song this yeah. could be an old play song and then it ended up being a glenn hansard song um but this whole soundtrack is amazing um and the movie's really good too i would i would like to watch it again it's been a really long time um but yeah this song was the was the right choice i think so i'm not i'm not an expert in like chord progressions but i think one thing that sticks out to me about the song is like kind of like a constrained 
like passion or constrained pain in the beginning that kind of like explodes towards the end. Mm-hmm. Kind of like um, uh, a great big world say something, say something you know, or uh, somebody I used to know when uh, Kimber comes on like to kind of join the duet. Like it starts very slow and then just kind of really just opens up into this like all enveloping you know, all-encompassing, like, warm release in a way um, that's, like, just so very cathartic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's like you release with the openness of the song. Yeah. And why would you want to make yourself sad? You know, sometimes I, th- I, I think it's very healthy to cry when you need to cry, Um and especially if it's like you feel like something's bottled up and there's certain times when it's like okay I know I need to cry my body is telling me that like a cry is going to happen and that I will feel better after I cry but like something needs to take me there like I'm not quite there yet but like because I can I can have a day where like I'm just really not feeling good Mm -hmm. and it's really just my body being like you need to let out this emotion, just let it out. And I always feel better afterwards. And so sometimes you just need a little extra, you need a little catalyst, you know? And so if there's music that takes you there, better to like get that done with and then kind of like restart and be a little, like just have like a little refresher than just carry that. So I think that that's, I think it's also good to feel your emotions. I know that, you know, particularly in this society, we try and make it seem like they don't matter, but like being in touch with your emotions is important and knowing what you need um, is important. And sometimes that includes sadness. Yeah, you're right. Sometimes a good cry does feel good. I'm trying to remember the last time I had a good cry. Um, I think I was like watching a movie and I cannot remember. It It was either watching a movie or like, a, 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 a really moving sports documentary in the most like bro, <laughs> in the most like bro thing ever. But like, you know, the climax just like kind of like, you know, your nose gets all scratchy and stuff. Right. Um, when's the last time you had a good cry? Uh, a good cry. Um, a couple weeks ago. Yeah. I feel like there was a, a moment where it was just like, I just needed to release and I did and it felt a lot better like a nice little good ugly cry just like mm-hmm. <laughs> and there, are, there are cries that's like that's not the last time I cried mm-hmm. but it is the last time that I like that it it felt like a very cathartic necessary thing for my body to just like release some emotion and some tension sad songs are very special mm-hmm. you know I think they're very special in the way that in the way they accompany us uh, and in the way that, you know, they, they, they make feeling these emotions, like they make it, it's, it's totally fine. Like they give yeah. it like a place to kind of live. Like, mm-hmm. and as someone that also rinses songs in the same way you mentioned, like you abuse songs, like you listen to them right. over and over and over. Like sometimes like just having a sad song on repeat is like literally just everything the doctor ordered. It's just mm-hmm. like, yeah. Because sometimes the song is saying everything that you wish that you could say, but it's done in a way that's very eloquent and sounds nice. Mm-hmm. Well, I was, me, a song that I used to, I used to cry to Kid Cudi's Man in the Moon. 
like the, the album itself, but particularly soundtrack to my life. <laughs> like, you know, little 20 year old me just like being like so moved by that song. Yeah, but it's just something about an artist just, just kind of giving you everything that they have and, mm-hmm. you know, kind of putting it out there for you. And, totally. and you're able to kind of like take that. And have people told you about this, about, about your own music? Like, have people. Mm-hmm said that they what songs like of yours that do that like that resonate with them in that way um i feel like i've probably gotten that mostly with no time to lose um, i had one woman in particular sticks out i was in ghent belgium and it was this like hole in the wall show and she came up to me afterwards and actually started crying while she was talking to me just saying that like she had gone through a bad breakup and some stuff and had been having trouble at work. And that song had really just like helped her release. And I thought that that was really beautiful. And I, I thanked her for that. Can you talk about the responsibility of like being a musician? Like, I think you're the first musician I've had on this show. So, you know, being a musician that essentially could create these songs for other people's seven topics, like, you know, the weight that kind of puts on your shoulders and, being intentional in the songs that you're crafting and the songs that you're writing? Well, I I think about it just in the sense of, um, you know, I'm feeling these feelings and I'm not the first person to be feeling these feelings and it helps me to get them out. And so I would imagine that it helps other people get them out too. You know, Um, I have self-doubts. I get sad. I also need things to like pick me up um, and so I, I do that not just for myself, but for everybody who's listening. And I think I take a lot of pride in making sure that it, that my music brings a level of joy to people, even if that joy is through sadness, you know, so that's kind of my aim and everything that I do from a music standpoint. And, um, I'm, like I said, I'm a, a very emotional person. So this is just another way for me to get it out. And hopefully people connect with that. Well, surely I connected with that. Cause like, even you saying like finding joy, even if that joy is sadness and like truly believing that's like very profound because a lot of times it's not, it's, it's about the journey right? and exactly. It's about the end results. Well, that that's you know, but getting to the end result, getting past like the sadness, mm-hmm. and and at times we all need some warm milk to kind of get us through the night, you know. Mm-hmm. And these songs, the sad songs, kind of act as that. Right, and I think it's really important to feel your sad feelings. You know, don't like wallow in them and have mm-hmm. them take over your life. But I still think it's really important to feel them and understand them and try and learn from them because sadness helps you grow sadness helps you appreciate happiness you know um it's it's not a bad emotion to feel and as long as you're not letting it take over your life and cloud your life i think that we should all strive to have a healthy relationship with sadness yeah, it's like two polarities. You can't right. always be positive, can't always be happy. You right. have to have a nice, healthy, a nice, healthy helping of both. Mm-hmm. Um, to, so to kind of pick up our spirits, like, you know, sequencing, this is why we put adoration after loss. Yeah. We're going to listen to the Beatles. She came in through the bathroom window. And 
one of the first groups to truly have stands <laughs> are the Beatles. So I'm interested in hearing why you adore them, why you stand them. talking to adoration this is the topic for people that you stand people that you're obsessed with this song is actually dedicated to the apple scruffs the people that would hang out outside of their studio back when they were recording um i guess like the the, the, the best question that's to so start funny with is, i didn't know that, that oh was yeah funny. yes yeah i i found that out um while looking into the song and that's amazing you know, I, I mean aptly named she came into the bathroom right, window yeah. and knowing what Beatlemania was so it's like pretty apt um i guess like i don't know if there are that many self-professed Beatles stands in 2021 uh you're, the, you're talking to the wrong folks then. <laughs> I know. I guess, I guess, I truly guess, I guess so. Like, you know, because working at Genius, like I'm surrounded by K-pop stands and, you know, you know, Ariana Grande stands and whatnot. But um, yeah, truly talking to the wrong person. Like when, what is your first, what is your earliest memory of the Beatles? How about that? That I don't know because they were played all the time in the house. Yeah. Um, omnipresent. But I, but I didn't like, explore them for myself until I I, uh, I think it was like junior year of high school I want to say maybe summer after sophomore year into that's very specific nice um well I I know because it was when I first started to drive and I had a car and my car had a six cd changer <laughs> and Beatles were like three of the cds at all times um and would rotate the cds in the Beatles situation so it's not like it was like the same three Beatles albums it was like three different Beatles albums that you know I mean they have so many that you could just like swap in for those three but like 50% of my CD magazine was the Beatles from like junior and senior year in high school which Beatle are you uh, I hope I'm Paul mm-hmm. uh, I love he's he's my favorite Beatle um he, uh, I love his lyrics and I love the way that he plays bass. I think he's an incredibly melodic bass player. He also played a lot of other instruments. Um, he played uh, drums a lot of, on the Beatles tracks. Like it's not actually Ringo in a lot of the recordings um, and like piano and a bunch of other stuff. But um, yeah, I, I hope I'm Paul. But I, it, I knew that this was going to be a Beatles song because I love the Beatles. I have a Beatles tattoo on my back, a lyric. It's not from this song, but like we stand. So, you know, but it's yeah. it, it's still applicable. What um, song? It's from the song Julia. Uh, and the lyric is um, when I cannot sing my heart, I can only speak my mind. When I cannot sing my heart, I can only speak my mind. Um, and even though I got that tattoo at like 
I don't know. I think it was maybe 18. I still am pro it. it I was like, I, I still stand by this. <laughs> <laughs> you don't regret that tattoo. No, I, I do not regret it. I still stand by this decision. Um, was that your first tattoo? I'm guessing. No, it was not. It was my okay. second tattoo. Gotcha. The second tattoo I no longer have. So that was, you know, I, f- I felt differently. This one I do not feel differently about. Um, but it's really tough to pick a favorite Beatles song for me. And I'm not saying that this even is my fa- favorite Beatles song necessarily, but I, I wanted to pick something that's like not as popular. Um, and I think that there are some people now who like people try and hate on the Beatles and like, obviously everybody has their own music taste, but like they are a very talented group of musicians. Um, it's not something like the whole Beatlemania. It was not, it wasn't as if they weren't doing things that were pushing boundaries and, you know, they, they are incredibly talented musicians and their breadth of work is incredible for, especially for such a short period of time. This song in particular comes at the end of Abbey road and is in the medley. Um, and it's my favorite song in the medley. And I think it's just, you know, it's got this like kind of country twang to it with the slide guitar. Mm -hmm. And then it does some really great Beatles harmonies that um, John and Paul were always really on top of. And I think it's just a very, it packs a lot of really awesome stuff that I love about the Beatles into one short song. and I just, I just think that they're great. And it's so cheesy to be like, oh, they're the best band ever. Cause people that's like so cliche, but they're really, really good. <laughs> they are a really great band and they have so many different, like just to think that like, it took me a while to like figure out which song I was gonna put, you know, um, just within this one band and for that one band to have only been around for like six years and they have so many songs um, so yeah i stand i still stand <laughs> um who do you in terms so now i know which beetle you are but which beetle you are is paul but like musically like who do you feel like you are like in terms of like work ethic same answer, same same answer. answer. yeah mm-hmm. yeah and paul is still like out here doing a lot of stuff um and Talk- he uh which i totally respect um my dad hugged him once and immediately called me and i thought that was really funny um but i would love the chance to meet him one day actually i have a great paul mccartney story go for it it. um when i was a freshman in college i found out that he was going to be on jimmy late night with jimmy fallon was before he was the tonight show I'm friends with Questlove and The Roots and I texted him and was like, yo, can I come to the show tonight? And he was like, sure. I I went to college in Boston. So I literally like skipped school, hopped on the train to New York. Like not the bus, not the Fung Wa bus. No, no, no. I not not I, I don't even think I had enough time for the Fung Wa. <laughs> I'm not in that Amtrak. All right. I'm that Amtrak. Get there. And like, I'm in the audience and the show is being taped. And I'm like, I want to say, I love you, Paul, during this show. I want to, fig- I want to do it. 
I want to do it. But like the whole time I'm, I'm just like chickening out in my brain for the whole thing. And the show goes by and it goes by. And I think he was the only guest that show. And so he, it's like the end of the show, he gets up to sing his last song. He walks from the couch to the stage. I don't say it. And I'm like, that was my opportunity. I was like, that was it that this the show is over after this he's going to sing this song and the show's going to be done and I'm not going to be able to do it and so he starts introducing the song and it was I think it was the anniversary of John's death had just happened and he like I'm going to do this song because it's the because this is around this time and you know it's a song that's a conversation that I never got to have with John that's what this song is. And so, you know, if you love somebody, let them know because you may never get the opportunity to do it ever again. Like that's literally what he says. And so I was like, I love you, Paul. <laughs> and then he was like, you know what I'm talking about. I was like, yes. <laughs> yes. But it was like, literally I'd spent that whole show being like, you gotta do it, you gotta do it. And then thinking that I'd miss my opportunity just for him to like set it up for me on a silver platter. So that's my, I, I didn't get to meet him, but I did get to tell him that I loved him. That is absolutely divine. That, right? is, that is awesome. That is awesome. Do you think he saw it coming? I don't know. I don't know if he saw it coming, but I seized that opportunity. I bet somebody else probably thought that they were going to have the chance to do it too. And I was like, nope, this is mine. This is my moment. I'm taking it. That's special. That's really like, special. I love you too. You, you know what I'm talking about. And I was like, yes. All right. All right. That's special. So from one, from the prototype boy band to like the pinnacle of boy bands, we're going to talk in NSYNC's Tearing Up My Heart um, by Max Martin and Christian London. I'm a huge fan of Max Martin, who is still, uh, still dominating um, in the same way as Paul McCartney, right? Like Mm -hmm. still dominating all these years later. Um, We're going to listen to that. That was such a great story. (laughs) (laughs) Such a great story. Uh, We'll be back because we have some more great stories to come. like it's the it's the way it starts it's the way the chorus comes like and like even though we stopped it at the first chorus uh i but the it's the final one tearing up my heart and soul when i mash it up that's a max that's what max martin does he has a at the end he'll make like a like a a a different chorus that then mashes up with the original chorus that's like staple max martin production right there i I, it's this book by uh john seabrook it's called song machine 
uh, that basically talks about Max Martin and Dennis Pops and all of them and just like how it is like this this white man from Sweden could just pump out hits for like 20 plus years. Mm-hmm. It's really insane. Um, who is your favorite member of NSYNC? Uh, JT, no question. Um, that That love sustained for quite some time. Um, still it's problematic now you know why is it uh, problematic huh? i mean do we really want to have this guy you want to you want to yes fair <laughs> fair all right fair. i want to i want to say just like preemptively jt if you ever hear this for any reason just know that you know you you have a, a loyal fan in me but your last album sucked okay um and i couldn't even finish it and uh that made me sad that made me sad um and then all of the you know like problematic things that came out with britney and whatnot which you know it's unfortunate that the media played her in that way because you know like she definitely did get marked as the villain not that i thought that she was the villain in their dynamic but um, it makes me sad that I stand him so hard, I guess. Mm-hmm. But this song, there is a specific reason why I chose this song. Um, and it's because I, so th- there's a Key Foods around the corner from my apartment. And I have had a few times, they just play the radio. They just play pop radio. I don't know what station it is, but it's it's a radio. It's like pop hits. And every once in a while, I will be there. And this song comes on. And I cannot control myself. Like, it's a song where, like, it comes on. And, like, I have the most difficult time, like, containing my dance moves and or singing along with it. Like it's, it is almost impossible. And it's a thing where I have to like remind myself that like, I'm in a grocery store. Like you can't just be like busting out in sync <laughs> right now, you know? Um, and I, there, I have plenty of guilty pleasure songs and the majority of them are in this vein of like in sync, Spice Girls, Britney Spears. Yeah. Like those are probably like if I were to be like guilty pleasure, like I'm not like super happy that I know all of the words to it, but like I was seven and became obsessed type of thing, you know. Um, but this song in particular, which it's not my favorite in sync song for sure, but it, there's just something about it where anytime it comes on, I just have a very difficult time containing myself in my movement and in my in my singing. Um, and you know, no shame, no shame in it. It's a, it's a bop. It's a bop. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's a bop. And honestly, you're right. Like JT has had, rightfully so. You know, he's had bops. He's had bops. Okay, he's, he's had, had bops. bops. He's had bops. He's had bops. <laughs> but it's, it's, it's been a rough couple of years for JT. Right. right. It's <laughs> it's been a really really rough couple years for jt uh so if i you know we had this uh uh, mouse was on the show a couple weeks ago and you know he mentioned um 
one thing he said that was really interesting and I'm going to put it to you as well. I was like, are you a Backstreet Boys kid or an NSYNC kid? And then he stops me. He's like, no, I was black. I liked them both. (laughs) (laughs) I was firmly in the NSYNC camp. I was firmly in the NSYNC camp. Although I did have the Millennium album, but I think everybody had the Millennium album. Everybody had the Millennium album. Um, and so there were a couple songs on that that I did like, and even before Millennium, like when they had, what's that one song? It also has Heart. Quit playing games. games with that, that, was, you know, that one was not too bad either. Um, but like, I never went to a Backstreet Boys concert, whereas like I still somewhere have the ticket to the No Strings Attached tour that I went to in 1999 or 2000, whenever that was. So um, I was firmly... I was firmly in an in, I was firmly JT in sync, like without a doubt. And it's funny because in terms of like no strings attached, the strings that connect the two of them as groups, like this song was initially pitched to the Backstreet Boys, but then they decided to take it themselves. Totally hear that. I can totally hear that. I mean, all of those people were like going through the exact same. They're managed by the same person. If I'm right. right. Yeah. Right. So it's just like, you know, it was all one united circle, but, you know, they try and make it seem like there was rivalry and whatnot, but it was like all the same stuff. It was, it was all what it, Backstreet Boys is also five guys, right? It's like yes. Five <laughs> white dudes, you know, like here are other five white dudes, like doing dances that are like, okay, <laughs> not anything. Yeah right home (laughs) even like in the video we were just watching it's like very mediocre choreography Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) like a nice little swoop but like it's not that crazy right but um you know and also when i was seven eight nine ten was not thinking about how like they were totally jacking shit from black artists oh no you know, you're not thinking about that. <laughs> um, and so now I look back and I'm like, damn, you know, they're all just like, uh, like new edition wannabes essentially, but um doesn't change the fact that they had some bops. So <laughs> <laughs> it's still bops. It's still bops. Right. Yo, I mean, kind of like how we started the conversation talking about it. Like when you were young, music was just so much more pure. And mm-hmm. then now we're older and it's like, oh, yeah, JT is insanely problematic, and uh, this music is jacking from black music, <laughs> and but it's still it's still a bop. It's right. it's still a bop. <laughs> Sex Love Sounds was still an incredible album, you know. Mm-hmm. So it was justified. Like I can't, you just can't deny those things. I like Twenty Twenty Project too. See, I liked the first part. Yeah, the first one. First part. First part was it. Yeah, second one was definitely a bunch of rejects that they like needed to fulfill a, a requirement for. I think Twenty Twenty. I was. I liked it the first couple listens, and then after that, I it was really just like Pusher Love Girl and Suit and Tie, and like I couldn't even name the other songs. That was I, there a song Strawberry Coop? I think. There was, that was another good one. Strawberry something, strawberry. I know exactly what you're talking about. I'm I'm Googling it right now. Strawberry bubblegum, strawberry bubblegum. That one also was good. I did like that song as well. But I just didn't like that album as much as I liked Future Sex Love Sounds as an album. Got, of course. I also saw that on tour and that was like one of the best concerts I've ever been to in my life to this day. So like, because JT can get down, you know, like even though the NSYNC choreo was like so so, like the man can move. I will not. 
I mean, oh, there's a reason he succeeded while the group right. did, <laughs> you right. know, like he kind of had that it factor. Right. Because um, JC is arguably a better singer. Um, but he only had that blown me up with her love song, which was also a bop, mm-hmm. thanks to Drumline. But um, he just, it just didn't go in the same way. This is the same exact conversation we had. Like JC, <laughs> J, like JT was a hit, but like JC was like the better singer. Was clearly by and far the better singer. Um, this has been an amazing conversation. Uh, we are moving into our final song, unfortunately. All right. Um, but the song is like today. It's Lorraine, Lorraine, yes. uh, Two Face mm-hmm. uh, from Brooklyn, Experimentalist, Pitchfork called her an Experimentalist, but. Um, the song is really dope. A friend of mine actually produced the music video. So, oh, dope. So, yeah, so nice little synergy there. video mm-hmm. so good mm-hmm. why'd you pick Lorraine I love Lorraine um not just as a musician but also as a human she's an incredibly talented musician if you ever get to see her live whenever that comes back she plays guitar while she's looping guitar and her vocals and with her and she like has pedals with her right foot that she does with her guitar but then also with her left foot she plays a pedal bass so the woman is insane she also has like the craziest discography of music in her head that i've ever really encountered with a person um she put out her debut album in 2017 i think and it was like my favorite album of the year and it was so it was so good and I was so excited and have been so excited for her new album, which is coming out next month. And June 11th, right? Um, something like that. Um, yeah. And she put out this song as the first single and my mind was just blown. And she just makes music that I think is really interesting. And it doesn't sound like other people's stuff. Um she's an artist that like it really sounds like she has an identity and mm-hmm. um especially having known her for a few years and having been a fan of her first album like it's really cool to hear this new single and hear how like the sound has evolved but has also like it, it still very much sounds like her and um i'm just really excited for the album and really excited for her and um it's just really amazing to to see and hear a black woman do some music that's a little left of center or pretty left of center but like done really really well and just has its own identity and i just i just think she's amazing i think that she is one of the most talented people on the planet and i hope that everybody loves her as much as i do sometimes i'll just text her out of the blue just to be like i hope you know that you're amazing like i hope <laughs> you're a genius 
And because I, I want her to know that at least I am thinking that all the time. But when she put this album out, or this single out a couple of weeks ago, I was just finding myself. First of all, I texted her before I even finished the song because just even halfway through, I was like, oh my God, I, this is amazing. Um, but then also... I was when it first came out I I like needed to listen to it all the time like it was the thing where I was like I I couldn't listen to it just one time I had to listen to it multiple times and I still feel that way it's like that's a song where like if I play it I'm probably gonna play it more than once because I'm finding something new about it every time and it's just so interesting and different and I love how she switches grooves a couple times and they're all equally dope it's the bass for me that was what yeah. really grabbed me, the mm -hmm. way the bass, like, throughout the entire song, just, like, kind of very steady, very on beat, very keeping you centered. Yeah. You know, she's a beast. That was what you described was amazing, that she's essentially using all four of her, like, yeah, playing. Yeah, it's insane. It's insane. It's absolutely insane. And I love it so much. I'm always in awe of her. Every time I see her perform, I feel like I need to go home and practice because I'm like, I'm not, I'm not doing that. <laughs> I'm not using every one of my limbs to play an instrument. What? And she makes it look so flawless. And then she also like in shows will be like, I'm not a very good guitar player. And I'm like, you're literally playing guitar and looping your guitar with your right foot and then playing another instrument with your left foot and singing. So I think you're doing amazing, sweetie. <laughs> yeah, I think she's doing just fine. Yeah. Uh, and just like just her album fatigue drops June 25th. Mm. Uh, and this is that was the lead single of it. Uh, and she's a background of classical cello and piano. So, yeah. you know, just to add that onto like the it's also a curator at, at um mama ps1 so she's just like this incredible human being you just wonder like where these people kind of sprout up you know i, know. I don't understand it but i'm so grateful that i am alive at the same time as her and that i know yeah. her and that i get to listen to her music well i'm actually very grateful that i know you that i get to talk to you that I get to listen to your music and that I get to call you a friend. And Thank you, that we've been able to, I've been able to come over your house and stuff like that. So this mm -hmm. is like really amazing. Madison, I want to thank you so much for speaking with me today. Thank you so much for having me. This was a great conversation. What do you have uh, coming out? Like, you know, motherfuckers guilty was, you know, yeah, huge. No. I'm sure it was not, it was probably very unexpected. He's 100% um, unexpected. He's guilty. He's Um, but I love how it's still very much you, you know, like it was like the style, the way it was put out, like, you know, acapella is just like, just all these different vibes watching the TikTok. It was so cool. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate <laughs> it. Yeah. And, uh, um, but so like I, I made guilty an actual song and it's out. And I, one of the silver linings of COVID is that I've been able to learn production skills in a way that I hadn't had time to and I had no anticipation or expectation of this being an actual song but people wanted me to make it a song and I did and I think it's like the best beat I've ever made and so I'm super happy about that um and I'm really happy that uh you know it's out in the world and I hope that we get to play it when all of the motherfuckers are guilty you know yeah when they're all guilty yeah um when are you gonna perform again what's going on with that june 9th i have my very first show in harlem with some incredible alvin ailey dancers um sam fig figgins and um jessica pinkett 
I'm very, very excited. It's going to be the first time I'm performing in front of a live audience in, um, I guess it will have been 15 months at that point. So um, very, very excited about that. And uh, just, you know, doing that, working on an album, a debut album. And um, congrats. Thank you. And just trying to live my best life as best as possible in uh, this, you know, insane time that we live in. Yeah, right. Does it feel like, uh, and then we'll wrap after this, but does it feel like something has been missing from you since you're not able to kind of practice your art in front of all the people, especially with the story you told me about when you were in Ghent, right? Like, you know, you haven't been able to do that. It, 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 like, part of my soul is missing. Part of my heart is, like, dark and needs to be reinvigorated. Um, It's kind of like how Tinkerbell like the way that she comes back, like if she dies, like you have to clap in order to make her come back to life. Um, that's like super vain, but that's kind of what it feels like. <laughs> like there's an element of my soul that's like needs clapping, <laughs> clap, 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 and she'll come back to life. Um, but I am so excited. Like just the energy that you share with people um, both on and off stage, like that gives me so much life force and to not have that right now has been really sad. Um, like I'm fully anticipating crying when it actually like really comes back because um, I've I've just missed it so much and I know that so many artists out there are feeling the same way just the amount of love and energy that you get to share with people all around the world as a touring artist is um, it's like it there's no feeling like it so it's and that's also performing is a very spiritual thing for me as well. Um, so it's like an element of my spirituality is missing. I had this moment um, where, you know, I really connected to how depressed I was and was like, oh, wow, yeah, no shit, because you haven't been doing the thing that like brings you the biggest jolt of energy and joy for over a year. It's like, yeah, of course, of course, like all of these other things that are really awesome that are happening, like aren't fulfilling me in the same way, because it's just not the same thing. It's not the same thing at all. Um, So no wonder there are elements of depression that are still, you know, seeped into that. Um, And I am so excited for that to, for us to get back to that safely. You know, I'm not about to like put myself in harm's way, um, but best believe when we can really just like be back at it i'm gonna be at every show every hey. show well here's my round of applause for you <laughs> thank you you know what i mean so you bring you back to life thank you so much <laughs> thank you Jock. i really appreciate you having me thanks for listening to the seven tracks of madison mcfarren's life hit us up with your thoughts and please leave us a review wherever possible especially on apple music you can also reach out to us at seventrackspodcast at gmail.com. We have a special finale episode coming up for y'all next week. Thanks to everyone who has listened to the episodes this season. I really, really appreciate it. This podcast is hosted and produced by me, Jacques Morel, with additional help from Jay Lee. It's edited by Jamal Padmore. Special thanks to Graham Corrigan for the LA mic. Peace, y'all.